1: Strong commitment strokes the inner fire like nothing else. We stop pretending that our true desire doesn't matter, and we devote ourselves entirely to it. If your true desire is to be free from the suffering that unworthiness brings to your life, then commit to finding your way through in any moment. When we commit, we close the door to the known and step into endless possibilities. We shift from going through the motions like an automaton to intelligence, wisdom, and alignment. Valeria Telles interviews Gail Brenner, the author of Suffering is Optional, a Spiritual Guide to Freedom from Self-Judgment and Feelings of Inadequacy. Gail Brenner, PhD, is a clinical psychologist, speaker, and author, and a lover of truth with a fire that burns brightly. For over 20 years, she has met with individuals and groups, bringing laser-like clarity and loving care to the confusion of common problems, such as reactive emotions, feelings of inadequacy, and relationship struggles. She is passionate about awakened living, inviting people to untangle personal identities that are the source of suffering, revealing the possibility of being present, fully alive, and in harmony with all of life. Gail has special expertise working with older adults and their families, and brings clear seeing and compassion to the transitions of aging, death, and dying. She is the author of the award-winning The End of Self-Help, Discovering peace and happiness right at the heart of your messy, scary, brilliant life. And Suffering is Optional, a spiritual guide to freedom from self judgment and feelings of inadequacy. Meet Gail at GailBrenner.com. Here's the interview with Gail Brenner.
0: in your own words, who is Dr. Gail Brainer? It's a definition.
2: So I feel like to answer that, I would have to think about who I am and add a mental label to this consciousness, this aliveness that's here right now. But in conventional terms, I'm a woman, I'm a psychologist by training. And I think most central to me and to my heart is that I'm a lover of life. I'm, I love being present in life and um, I love connection and uh, savoring what's here. And that's most
0: central to me. Life itself, what is it to you? Not the meaning of life, but how would you describe this experience of being in a human body?
2: It's direct experience. It's like directly experience, experiencing whatever is here now. So right now I'm looking out at trees and I'm like just being with the leaves that I'm seeing and uh, taking that in. And I'm having this conversation with you and feeling our interactional field together that we create when we have a conversation, especially about these important topics. So life is what is here right now, that we're living and that's being lived through us. It's the aliveness of presence.
0: Do you believe or embrace the concept, the idea of meaning and purpose, having meaning and purpose in this experience? Meaning and purpose
2: arises, but like I for a long time in my life, I searched for purpose and the purpose was separate from me and I was looking for something that I didn't have. And to be honest, that was a quite a painful process yeah. for me because I wanted something that I didn't have and I was looking for it and waiting and wondering why it wasn't coming to me. And you know there was a lot of um, angst around that. And dropping that whole search, made me see that the purpose of life is to live it fully as it is right now. And I was able to make the discovery that there's nothing out there Mm -hmm. that's going to be more fulfilling than what I already have now. Mm -hmm. And in that, Realizing that created the space for creativity and to be inspired by things and passionate about things. So it's like my attention was distracted by the search for something I didn't have. And as soon as I stopped searching for it, so much arose in me that was fulfilling and exciting and that I became passionate about. So it's kind of a paradox how that worked in me. I love the way you say that it's just meaning and purpose arise. They just come if we get out of the way. It's there already for us to be, to recognize and to be seen and heard and, you know, by us, but we have to get out of the way. And for me, it was the search that needed to get out of the way. Mm. For other people, it might be feelings of hopelessness or inadequacy or, you know, a negative type of thinking about themselves or the world. And, you know, once we are just able to open and really be able to listen to what's here, Something just shows itself to us because life yeah. wants to live. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a funny way to, yeah. like, it's hard to tell people how to find purpose. Okay. But when we start looking for it, the, the fulfillment of it is right here.
0: Why does suffering, or from where suffering arises, do you have an idea? Yeah,
2: so suffering arises from attachment to our conditioning. So we need to unpack that a bit. So by conditioning, I mean what we learn in our lives Usually from our early experience in life, that we develop patterns where we need to keep ourselves safe, or we need to somehow protect ourselves, or avoid certain things in our environment or about ourselves. And this develops conditioned patterns, like avoiding certain situations, or seeking approval, or thinking we need to get attention in order to feel good about ourselves. These are conditioned patterns that pull our attention into that. Um, And when we're believing that these patterns are true and that, that they define who we are, we suffer. That's how it is. I've studied it in in myself. I've studied it in many, many people. And what I know to be true is that when we believe those conditioned thoughts and feelings about ourselves, there's suffering there because these patterns are always limited. They're always um, somehow distracting us from our full potential. And that when we can learn to recognize those patterns of suffering um, that come from our conditioning, we have a a whole new vista opens up in how we can deal with those so that we can find the space that's available that's separate from those patterns that's here and alive
0: now and not attached to the past. And when I think about suffering in this um, personal and individual way. It always comes to me that is there because of separation, that sense of separation. Mm -hmm. And this is true about being conditioned to be a separate entity. That's how all of us pretty much have been raised to be separate. Yes. As soon as
2: we start believing the thoughts that run in our minds, That separate ourselves from one another and from life, and then there's an inside and an outside. Like I have to keep myself safe here because the world doesn't feel trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's separation. As soon as we start having those beliefs and then believing that they're true, uh, we we are right there in that
0: sense of separation. Do you believe in the end of suffering, or suffering will be always there, but not attached to an, an identity? That's a beautiful
2: question. Okay, so to answer that, I go right to my own experience about what I know to be true. And what I know to be true is that suffering can end in the moment. Like I can be caught up in a conditioned pattern and be angry at someone or hurt by someone. And then I can realize that and I can untangle it and find my way back to this open presence. But that doesn't mean that that pattern's not going to arise again. So there might be suffering again down the road, but every moment is a possibility of finding freedom from suffering. So that's where my focus is. It's not on, I'm never going to suffer forever because that that's in time. And that, that to me is not practical, but to know how to handle a moment of suffering
0: when it's occurring, that's where our freedom lies. This is this something we do, Gail, or it's something that also arises from thy space, unconditioned space, which I call unconditional love, unconditioned being. Yes. Is that yeah. an arising? Is that a, we have to do something?
2: It's a realizing. It's like we think we might have to do something to find it, right. but that means that we're searching for something outside of ourselves right. that we think we don't already have. Yeah. So the whole paradigm shifts to Uncovering what's already here. So when we look through our conditioning and we see outside of the mind and we experience things directly and not through our mental concepts, then we have the possibility of realizing what's already here Mm -hmm. because who we are is who we are Mm -hmm. and it's
0: been who we are
2: for eons. (laughs) So it's just a matter of realizing
0: what's already true yeah that's a good word realizing right Mm -hmm. recognizing some people use that yeah exactly yeah Um, another question for you attached um, to suffering is pain do you connect them can the body experience pain without suffering without the concept the idea of suffering
2: yeah absolutely physical pain is sensation Mm. And for anybody who experiences physical pain, there is often a story that develops around that pain. Mm. And like, this is going to last forever, or I can't stand this, or why is this here? Why again? Those are all stories about a physical experience. Mm. So when we can just be with the sensations of pain without the story, Mm. Uh, you know, the pain could still be there, but the suffering around it can lessen tremendously. And I don't, when saying that, I don't want to put a should around that. Like you shouldn't, you know, feel badly about having pain. I mean, uh, you know, I accept everything, you know, everything is welcomed and everything becomes an opportunity. So it's, you know, for people have, I don't experience a lot of physical pain, but I know people do. And I have great compassion for, for that and for having to live with that and the, stories that come around it but I also know that the stories create more physical tension and contraction and that Mm -hmm. actually increases the sensations of the pain so when we can see through those stories just even for a little bit of time there's the possibility of some relief from the pain the physical pain
0: so everything goes back to emotions and thoughts basically concepts the ideas the stories yeah we have exactly that's right and to be able to recognize our
2: stories is um is super important. I once um, talked with someone who had just ended a 30-day silent meditation retreat. And she said to me, if there's one thing I learned, it's that the story is extra. And she said, it's like a neon sign on her forehead. The story is extra. So here is life right? Here is life happening right now. And we can add a story onto it or not. But whether we do or not, life is
0: still here unfolding. Mm, Yes, beautifully said. Thank you so much for very clear ideas about this that cannot be really spoken about, the unknown, which to me, life is completely unknown. But it's um, fascinating how We have this ability as humans to separate ourselves from what is and then observe and then judge and then create stories. And I mean, it seems like it's part of it too. I mean, it is, it has to be. So everything is one amazing dance. It has Mm -hmm. like positive and negative parts
2: to it because, yes, in that separation of observing things, um, you know, we can we separate ourselves from life. But it's also for me in my life, it was a big opening when I realized when I started meditating and I realized that I could observe my experience because I saw I started seeing that all these emotions were arising and I started looking at what my thoughts were. And I had never done that before. And it became crystal clear to me why I was suffering so that observing capacity can also be used to support us in realizing life.
0: Freedom and in understanding why it is that we suffer. You wrote the book Suffering is Optional, a spiritual guide to freedom from self judgment and feelings of inadequacy. So, my initial question about your book is the inspiration and also the intention of writing your book.
2: Yeah, well, I'm a psychologist as well as a lover of the spiritual teaching. And what I've seen in my work with people is how much suffering there is around the the feelings of being inadequate or um, worthless. And it involves negative self-talk. And I think it's like, you know, we're just hopefully near the end of a pandemic, but I would call that a pandemic. It's a very widespread problem that's present in our culture today. And my, you know, my purpose in life, not that I've devised this purpose myself, but it seems to be coming through me is to support people in their own healing. And I thought that that was a topic that I I felt like I could offer something about and also address the suffering that a lot of people experience. So that that's what was behind that particular uh, book and that topic. And my intention was really to write as clearly as possible. You know, when I write, I like to, I like things to be very accessible to people, these ideas, because these ideas are not always easy. And so I wanted to write it as clearly as possible to be able to support people in their own healing and awakening. That was my intention. Yeah, I
0: love that. This is something in the separated dream that's fascinating to to this here, is that then we do that. We go in that direction most often than not to help others. And we engage in healing. It's just beautiful. You know, what I find is as we're less attached to the past
2: and we're not working through all our patterns and you know it takes time to do that and and it needs that attention but as that starts to digest and kind of um come to a finishing place for, for a lot of these patterns it releases a lot of energy for the presence for for being present now and there's a generosity that comes and for me and nat- and for a lot of people i know a natural desire to serve and mm. That's that, and to have that freedom for creativity and inspiration and excitement and just enjoying the simple things of life, mm-hmm. that's possible for all of us. And I'm very excited about that possibility.
0: So, talk to me for a moment about how you communicate these profound truth to me to this here. It's, it resonates true, integrating non-dual understanding and traditional psychology. Mm-hmm are you able to communicate that to your clients clearly or
2: yes but i don't always talk about the labels of non duality mm, or even right. spirituality yes. cuz it's 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 life it's practical it's mm, real yes. it's not some lofty idea right. or necessarily some blissful experience mm, it's about yeah how we are in life here and now and how we relate to our experience. Because, you know, we all have difficult feelings that come up or things happen in life. You know, someone gets sick or dies and then we grieve. This is part of normal life. This is not separate from a spiritual understanding or anything. It's part of what we're actually living. So I find it that people love hearing about it because it's true and people resonate with with what's true whatever labels we use for it we don't need the labels right to communicate truth we don't I yeah agree. we're living yeah. it you know and yeah. so and so i point right. people to direct experience which is beyond the labels it's like what is actually here right now what sensations are here what energy is running through your body what do you what do you actually see when you're not seeing you know a tree or a table or whatever like just the seeing itself what is that function like to see
0: and that that just it puts a whole new spin on things. It seems like as a step, for me, it was like it felt like a shift in consciousness, as we call it, like this new way of thinking, understanding, perceiving everything, but the I was still there doing everything, Uh (laughs) practicing and trying too hard (laughs) to transform itself into something that could never really find. Yes, that's right. And we do do that though. We try to, because that's what we
2: think, you know, we think we're a separate self, we're the I who has these problems. And then we try to solve the problems or improve ourselves. I mean, another book I wrote is called The End of Self-Help. And Mm -hmm. the reason I called it that is because self-help, is about improving something or, or getting something that we don't already have. And that's not, that doesn't, we tend to do that, but it's not what actually helps. What helps is to keep turning our attention inward toward our inner experience and realize that what's here right now is
0: exactly what we're looking for. If that seems to me, that realization, it's impossible. Is in a way, it sounds to be impossible for the eye to get there. The mm, yeah, I can't do it. That's
2: right? exactly right. Yeah, yeah.
0: you can't really, because it feels so real. Like there's yeah. someone talking here now, so yeah. it must be me. <laughs> yes, and there's talking happening. Yes, right. Talking just happens, right, right, right. Because I could never find a me. I tried, I'm sure you did too, looking inward and trying to find, locate the eye. And from my experience, I could never find anything. Was yeah. Never there. So yeah, when it comes to trying to communicate the impossible, I admire you for doing that. As a psychologist, that's the most beautiful thing.
2: Well, the communication isn't only in words, and it's it's not concepts at all. The words are always a pointer to what's true beyond the words and before the word there's an experience before words there's an experience there's direct experience before language there's direct experience before the concept of an I and who I am and I'm a woman and I have these roles in life and I think these things about myself and other people and I have problems in my relationships there's there's direct experience that's before all of that so there's a which means also a word that's used as transmission. Yeah. So, so there's a, the words transmit something, the words, when they're, when they're spoken from a place of aliveness, that you feel something in them beyond the words. So when you say it's something feels true, it's not just the words that are true. Mm-hmm. It's the, the feeling that's behind them, the, the vibration, the, the place that they come from and emerge from.
0: Talk to me for a moment before I wanted to ask you, actually, I should ask you now about the four guiding principles and the five core practices. Talk to me for a moment about them. I know you might not be able to discuss or disclose all of them, but some of those principles Yes, and well, the
2: idea about it is to be able to break things down so well so that it's very accessible to people. like very basically understanding that we can pay attention to our own experience and that we can move our attention around. We can give our attention to the content of our thoughts and believe them and think them. But we don't have to. There can be thoughts running through our mind without giving attention mm, to them. Right. And that. so that's like one very important foundational principle is to understand that we have some control over where we put our attention. And that helps to create the possibility of releasing our attachment from the content of our thoughts. So You know, once we understand that there's more to reality than whatever we think is here, then we can apply practices to that. And we can begin to work directly with our own experience by observing it, by feeling feelings without having the story added to those feelings, by um, inviting ourselves into this presence. And that's what the practices invite so it really tries to break everything down to get really, I like things to be very practical because exactly. I think in yeah. some ways, spirituality in our culture has a, you know, it's different from regular life or it's something mm-hmm. that you right. need to achieve, right. or you have to have a certain, you right. know, out of this world experience. And it, it's not like that. It, it's True. like, I use the phrase t- now, embodied awakening and embodied mm-hmm. presence, which yes. means that like, how can we actually live this right now mm-hmm. when we're breathing? Grieving, when we're mm. laughing when mm. we're in relationship when we're alone and feeling lonely like it's it's not separate from any experience that we have in life
0: when you talk about control use the word control do you mean being aware of something I don't know if we can control I mean it's life happening so I wonder, Who is controlling? Because there's nobody there, Gail, anyway. That's
2: a beautiful question. And it's another paradox. There is no one there to control. And if we look at it, we can, I can say, I'm going to look at a table and then I can say, I'm going to. Turn my attention inward and feel a bodily sensation. There's a certain relative mm-hmm. truth to that, that I can there there is attention moving itself around. And from the absolute sense, we can say there's no one moving it, but there also seems to be this grace that comes to us that gives us the capacity to move our attention around. I mean, it really gets to the point: like, we can't wake ourselves up, we can't make ourselves experience a spiritual awakening or enlightenment or anything, but we can use the capacities that we have as humans in our minds, in our hearts, and our intention to get us right to the edge of that. We can explore our conditioning. We can read beautiful readings that inspire us and Mm -hmm. choose that rather than something else. So there is this sense that we can control these but ultimately you're exactly right there is no controller there is no one controlling there's just the the movement of life yeah but it's
0: both it's holding that paradox that resonates true to me so Mm -hmm. it's uh it's actually using or being redirecting attention to what is available it's, yes uh, there are options true. here now it's not something that we are creating or choosing as we and tend it's to grace believe that we
2: yeah. can do that it's grace we're given yeah. that capacity mm-hmm. and
0: so we use it mm-hmm. well Talk to me for a moment about something that I, I came across in your book that was very interesting you called the sacred return you say the direct path to knowing yourself as consciousness awake to itself has no steps and no practices. I think we have been talking about this anyway, but talk to me for a moment about this idea of the sacred return that you speak of in a book. Yes, it's in
2: any, even that, I did use that phrase and I like yeah. it, but it's yeah. not even a return. It's just, mm. it's the realization of what's right. here, right? It's timeless. It's right. just, it's what's here and alive right now. And there's no, nothing to do and no movement away from it or to find it or anything it's just the coming into the full alignment with what's already here right now and then there's like no separation at all of anything from anything else and then that, and that's possible to come directly
0: into that realization. I'll ask you the question if you wanted to <laughs> how do some of us in this Bodies, We are able to shift attention and then uh, you call grace, that's beautifully mm-hmm. said, yeah, gracefully uh, shift attention to these kinds of untouched knowledge or ideas or undescribable, unknown. Have you ever wondered why some of us are able to explore this and some of us won't get there, we'll never do? I've actually thought about that a lot
2: because, uh, and I'll tell you what motivates my thinking about that is sadness because I see people suffering and I know they don't have to. Yeah. And, uh, yet they do. And they can do. And even people who, you know, f- have followed my work for a long time and they, 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 their intention is so pure and beautiful and they still don't quite get the understanding. And, um, I think, I, I would go again to that um, feeling, that, that reality of grace that we're given everything and You know, nothing Mm. is personal to us. Mm. So if you happen to be interested in spirituality, it's not personal. It might feel personal, but it's Mm. been given. You know, if you decide to create a podcast, it's not personal to you. It's been given. And then you receive it and then you take the actions to put that into action. So that's beautiful. And we're given what we're given in the time that we're given. And There's a time that we're we're ready to open and there's a time when we're not ready to open. And I see that a lot. And I I think that's in the end of it. It's not a controllable thing. It's what's Mm. been
0: given and it's just what how life wants to express it in that moment. Mm, Yeah, I love that. So it's not even a mystery. It's just life being life. right? Exactly. Exactly. Wow, girl, I love, love your clarity. Thank you for being open to the unknown, <laughs> which makes me smile every time I say that because it is absolute unknown, all this. And it makes you
2: smile. And I love that. And it doesn't make everybody smile because, um, you know, when people are right at the edge of realizing like, wow, I, I don't, I'm not anything I think I am. And then where am I? I'm in this complete
0: unknown. And there can often be fear and discomfort around that. But that, we already know, has to do with the conditioning, yeah, the attachment yes, to the right. I, right, me here. So we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you, Gail. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book before that?
2: Um, I don't have a passage to read, but I think what I want to add is... The importance of turning our attention inward to ourselves. That's the most important thing. Like if we're looking for some solution outside that's not going to give us the peace and the clarity and the the good feeling in our everyday lives that we're looking for. Um, so Always, 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 there's the invitation to turn our attention inward to ourselves. And most recently, I've been very interested in the connection between um, what's happening uh, now in our lives and what's happened earlier in the origin of these conditioned patterns. And in the phrase that's used often right now is early trauma or trauma informed. And I think to bring our attention compassionately to those parts of ourselves that are still left to be unwound and, um, and that, that continue to bring suffering to our lives, that's, you know, super important to bring in and do so with great kindness. You know, lots of people experience shame, for example, and I have great compassion for that. And I understand it. And to, to use that as an entry point, as an opening to find our way through to peace. And that's absolutely possible.
0: And my final questions to you within the paradox of living as a separate entity, how do you define success? What is to be successful these days?
2: I, I mean I know what it means in terms of our culture, but um I don't it does it's not a word I would apply to myself. I do what I do, and if it's called successful, fine. If it's not, that's also fine. It success feels like a, like an evaluation. Like there's a, there's a polarity there, success Mm -hmm. or failure, success or not success. So I, you know, when we do what we do and we just do it because it comes through naturally and it comes from our heart and it comes from our excitement and passion, Mm -hmm. then the evaluation of that is extra. So it's not a, it's not a a word that really um, resonates with me very much. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> How do you define healing? Yes. There's a paradox in that too, because right. the question is what heals or who heals. Yes, right. And I use that word more recently and I use it with full awareness that there's a paradox in it yes. because there's no one to heal. Right. But in the um, relative world of everyday life in humans, it's a word that resonates. We hurt and we don't want to hurt anymore. And I'm, I'm talking about emotional pain. And 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 it feels like when we don't hurt anymore, something has healed or something has resolved or something has shifted. You know, if it's I don't what I the point I want to get across about this is that if you feel like healing needs to happen, it doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't come from a sense of brokenness or something missing, but there is this sense that you can feel better in your life. There's a certain reality to that, and we might call that healing, but all of that happens in the context of how life is moving with no sense of separation.
0: In your book, you actually use the phrase suffering as a wake-up call or this invitation to open up to a greater reality. And two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing or leaving the body, would you, or detaching from the body, however we want to say it, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Um, I probably,
2: if I was physically capable, take a couple of trips that mm-hmm. I, I have a little bucket list of places mm-hmm. I want to visit. <laughs> but for the most part, no, you know, I, contemplate that a lot. Like I have in my imagination put myself in all kinds of situations because I don't want to think of myself as separate from mm. being on a plane that's about to go down or right. being um, someone in, you know, some other country who's experiencing famine or war or, you know, some kind of great challenge that's not my own experience. Like I really like to not feel separate from from any part mm. of humanity. Mm. So I I've in my imagination I've encountered all these situations a lot and that's very alive for me and I don't know what would happen but I hope that I would approach those situations with grace. And the way I live my life now is fully And with great, you know, passion and aliveness. And I don't think there's very much that I would change if I were facing that.
0: And the last question is, what are three things about life you wish everyone to know or to realize before they lose the body? One would be that it's possible
2: to live life fully and not from your condition self. So that means not from a sense of lack, Or a sense of fear, but to live fully from that unconditioned place. That would be one. And that includes a lot, but that would be one. The second is to know that we can always turn our attention inward and away from the objects of the world to find our way back to that place of aliveness that that's always possible. In that sense, it's the same. Suffering is optional. We can always do that sacred return and and bring our attention back to what's here right now. And I think the third thing has to do with unconditional love and acceptance, which for me has been a practice in my life to, you know, it's easy to say unconditional love, but to live that in the moments when someone's making you angry or, you know, you're irritated or you feel hurt or whatever, to to know that there is this place of unconditional acceptance and to have that be a practice to keep finding that over and
0: over as you live your daily life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love, love your clarity. Thank you so much, Gail, for your Mm, presence. Thank you.
2: Your questions were beautiful.
0: (laughs) And your courage Mm. to reveal the truth um, in a beautiful and graceful way. So before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: Yeah. So it's scalebrenner.com, G-A-I-L-B-R-E-N-N-E-R.com. And I'm still writing. So I write to, if you sign up for my newsletter, which will be right there on my site, I send out an, an article every Friday and those have gotten quite popular. And then I have events, which you can also find on my website. My, um, you know, Periodically, I do uh, Zoom calls and courses, and all of that's listed there, along with videos and YouTube channel, all of that. So my
0: website would be the place to go. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Very good. Thank you. Bye for Bye. now, Kim. Okay.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Gail Brenner and her work, please visit gailbrenner.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.